0: Broken Bulbs is a proud member of the Create Fine and is produced by MECO Radio.
1: My mom brought out like her, her Rolodex and started calling every single family member in all corners of the world, my daughter got into MIT. Then there was a moment of so what? I had spent 18 years trying to get into college that was it. I never dreamt about anything else. And once you achieve your dream it's like going up to the summit of the mountain you wanted to climb and you find yourself there all alone and not knowing what's next. Because then do you just come down and come down to what?
0: Alex Williams here to welcome you back to Broken Bulbs, the show for entrepreneurs, creators, and builders who need to keep it real. Today, I'm joined once again by the incredible Yisel Kim. Now, Yisel previously featured on episodes 3 and 78 of Broken Bulbs, so make sure you go back and check those out as well. Now, Yissel is a Korean-American living in Italy. She publishes a blog called The People of Treviso, and in 2020, she created a fantastic podcast, The Serendipity Stories, which I absolutely recommend you check out. Today, we're here to talk about Yissel finding herself at a loss of what to do after achieving her biggest goal. That's coming up after the break. Hey guys real quick before we get into today's show i just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening and thank you for all the ways that you offer support whether it's through reviews or sharing it with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of this episode if you want to find more ways to support us you can go to meccoradio.com slash support that's m-e-c-h-o radio.com slash support again that's meccoradio.com slash support and with that, let's get on to today's show. Yissel Kim, ready to talk about one of your broken bulbs?
1: I have so many broken bulbs, but I'll start with my sharpest bulb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's talk about the crisis you had when you got to college or to university. Uh, would you mind telling me a little bit about what that experience was like working towards it and then how that that is seen you and your narrative as a failure?
1: So most people wouldn't say getting into MIT is a failure, but let me take you back to 1988 when I was born. I am a first generation Korean American, lived in Guam, but we moved to the mainland back in 2000 when I was 12 years old and started middle school and high school in the States. And my parents were working really hard manual labor kind of jobs, working seven days a week to provide a living for us. And ever since I was like the age of two, they had always said, you need to go to a good college. Education is the key to your future. Education is how we break the cycle of poverty because neither of my parents went to college. My dad had just enrolled and then his father died. And so he had to take over the family business and my mom was actually pretty smart, the first in her class in, in, in the whole school. But because she was a girl, my grandma told her, you need to make money so that your dumber younger brother, <laughs> we could pay for his college education. So that's always been a, a huge regret of hers. And so my whole life, the only goal I had was to get into college. And as soon as I got into middle school and high school, had a one-track mind and I did everything. I was so strategic about getting into college tried to be the captain of all the sports team because I heard you had to be well-rounded. You can't just have a 4.0 GPA. So I picked up things like softball. Like, what do I care about softball? I was a manager of the men's tennis team, uh, was pretty good at tennis and made it to state championship there, became captain, MVP uh, put So many hours, you know, but I'm, I'm like five foot one and like 100 some pounds. So like doing sports in general was kind of a stretch. Where I was like, no, I have to be well rounded. So I did that. Then I was like, oh, well, I'm a Korean American. And, you know, when I came home, it wasn't like I had these deep intellectual conversations with my parents, my vocabulary wasn't that great. I was like, well, I gotta practice how articulate I am. So I joined this, I joined the speech team and mock trial team. And again, became tried to get as many titles as possible. I was like, well, I want to show that I'm connected to my Asian roots. So I was vice president of the Asian American Club. Uh, so the list goes on and on. I think like literally in my resume, I was looking at it was like two pages long of all these activities I was part of, did some volunteering. And of course, like, of course, my, my grades were straight A's, right? And I, and I was so afraid even getting like a B on any assignment, I would go and argue to the teacher, like, give me extra credit because I can't stand like having this B on an assignment. <laughs> and so I worked my butt off to get into college I did summer programs at universities, took the SATs four times until I got like a really good score. And then it was senior year and I applied to two schools, early action, Georgetown and MIT. And then the rest, in maximum, I applied to five schools. Come December, the results, uh, decisions came out for Georgetown and MIT. It was a snowy Monday. And I had skipped school (laughs) because I knew there was all these college forms telling you, like, you know, when MIT sent out their decisions. And that year was like very special because rather than a packet, they sent people who were confirmed or accepted tubes—these cylindrical tubes that were kind of big. And so I knew that if I saw a tube in my mailbox, that I had gotten into MIT. And I drove up in my Grand Cherokee. It's one o'clock it was skipping school and I was driving towards our house and there was nothing sticking out of our mailbox. Like this cylinder should have been pretty big. And I'm like, oh crap, I didn't get into MIT. And I'm driving and I'm about to put uh, my car uh, in the garage. And then all of a sudden I saw a tube uh, sitting upright in front of our door. And I was like, oh my God. I rushed out of the car I didn't even put it on parks. I was like slowly rolling into the garage. Uh, My friend was there luckily and she put it in part and I run to this tube. I open it. There's confetti flying all on the snow. And, um, and I just like, you know, rip out the, the small piece of paper. Congratulations. Kim! Welcome to the class of 2010. And I'm just crying like, wow, like, who would have thought I would get into this college? And then my mom brought out like her her Rolodex and started calling every single family member in all corners of the world, my daughter got into MIT. And it was such a beautiful moment. I would be the first in my family to go to college and not even just like any college, like these top colleges. And I will never take away from that moment. But what happened was, then there was a moment of, so what? I had spent 18 years trying to get into college. That was it. I never dreamt about Anything else, and once you achieve your dream, it's like going up to the summit of the mountain you wanted to climb and you find yourself there all alone and not knowing what's next because then do you just come down and come down to what? I had no dreams, I had no idea what I wanted to do once I got into college, never thought that far ahead. I never had any hobbies because anything I did was for the objective of getting into college i never had fun. So I didn't even know how to have fun. never had relationships because there were distractions. I didn't have great people skills. <laughs> and so it was such a failure of dreaming too small, not giving myself the breath and the respect of my own life to dream bigger than having a small, mo- than, you know, college, which is big but I, it w- I never became a fully formed human being. I just became someone who got accepted to college. And so when you orient your whole life and orient your whole identity to that, and that's it, that's sad. And then you realize all the work that you have to do to become a more well-rounded human being and that these accolades and titles of these clubs that don't really matter at the end of the day don't make you who you are. And so I had no idea who I was. And that's why I consider that a failure.
0: And and you talked in the beginning about uh, trying to become this well-rounded individual, but then ultimately just to achieve this one, one single goal. How do you recommend to other people they make sure that they're not just um, putting on blinders and just Aiming straight at this one thing, one goal that they can enjoy the rest of life going on around them.
1: I think the first question you have to ask yourself is why? Why is that your goal? Is it really for you or is it to validate the dreams of your parents that never had the opportunity to get that education? Was it just cultural? Is it because everybody else tells you that it's a cool thing to do? If it's for you, then you'll, I think, enjoy everything that you learn as you achieve that goal. And that's where I was already like uh, made my first mistake. The second piece is you can still have that one goal and put blinders on, but don't forget to reflect and look back at all the kind of, I consider like almost chips or coins that you collect of the different skills or experiences that you have. And don't brush through them But live in the moment when those things happen, because you'll never get that back. And you never know when those skills, those memories, those experiences, those relationships you curate curate will apply as you achieve your next goal. So that's point number two. And point number three is goals are great. I think goals give you purpose. But at the end of the day, what you should strive for is balance. A goal can't be everything in your life because we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a world where we are interconnected in terms of our ideas and to other people. And when you feel like you're on the solo mission, not only will you not go very far, but it's going to be a very lonely journey. And the beauty of achieving a goal is uh, when you're able to celebrate it with other people. So you climb that summit and you're, do you really want to be there alone? And my big life philosophy, that I had to hurt. Learn the hard way is alone, you go faster, but together you can go further. And I keep you know, repeating this. I'm literally going to get a tattoo of it on my butt one day, but I believe it because I've lived it on both sides. I learned how to be really efficient and achieve my goals and felt unsatisfied. And then I've also felt frustrated by trying to bring people along. Imagine like, you know, trying to climb a mountain, with 20 of her family members and they're so annoying. Someone's complaining, someone has to pee. But, but then you get there and then you take that moment in together. Um, would you rather take a selfie of yourself or would you rather, you know, take the photo with, with the people that mean the most to you? So those are the key lessons I take away.
0: And of course we finish each episode with that bulb, that one idea, the, 1000th try that worked or at least is working for now. Feel free to brag a little bit. What's what's working for you? What are you up to?
1: Really proud of myself for overcoming some fears I had. So recently, I'm, I'm a Korean American who moved to a very conservative, town in Italy, in the northeast of Italy, 20 minutes outside of Venice. in a very beautiful, very rich town. And here I am as an outsider, as a foreigner, as an immigrant <laughs> moving here. And I felt knowing this and ha- and knowing its reputation, I would not make eye contact with people down the street. I felt small and invisible. And I had written this narrative to myself that, oh, I'm never going to uh, fit in. I'm never going to be a part of this community, and then I said, "Wait, why do why, why do I have to subscribe to this narrative? Can I change it?" And so my shining light bulb that has yet to be broken <laughs> is a project I started called the Humans of Treviso. It's literally like the Humans of New York, where I'm going out and meeting people. First, it was like some friends of friends of my husband. And now it's become this chain where I'm meeting true strangers and going into their houses, grabbing a coffee and interviewing them and learning about their lives. And I'm making human connections with people. I'm going into their homes and they're inviting me in. I'm now starting to be recognized on the streets and I have people to say hello to. And I now know, uh, we go deeply into their history and I see them as a human, they see me as a human. And they don't just see me as a foreigner, but as their neighbor. And so it's a beautiful project. I get to also practice my Italian. We're publishing it on social media, on Facebook and Instagram with a photo attached to it with my colleague, Davide Ronfini, who does that. And we've like met with the mayor. We're thinking about doing a photo exhibition. There's a lot of closed storefronts in Treviso because the rents are high and the economy is not doing great and so we may be also just to beautify the city where uh, the, the, the mayor loves the idea of like covering the storefronts with photos of the subjects that we're interviewing and so I'm just really proud not only like did I have this idea and I'm executing it but uh, more on a more emotional level I decided to create my own narrative and how I want to feel about the city and be involved and uh and yeah i'm I'm falling in love with it so uh it's great to be in control of my own narrative
0: that's awesome well thank you very much for joining me today
1: thank you for having me what an emotional roller coaster
0: (laughs) and thank you for listening so now what you did it you got everything you could ever have dreamed of but where did it get you i mean i guess it got you there don't dream too small and think of ways you can make the most of the journey too. Remember to live in the moment and enjoy that climb up to the top of the mountain and do it with other people around you too. Special thank you to Yisil Kim for joining me once again and being willing to talk about her Broken Bulbs. Be sure to check out all of her work, which I've linked in the show notes. Yissel also featured on episode 3 and episode 78 of Broken Bulbs, so make sure you check those out as well. And if you want to support the show and the rest of the work I do, please visit mecoradio.com/support. That's m-e-c-h-o radio.com/support. We have a lot going on there, so just click the first link in the show notes and head straight to mecoradio.com/support. Broken Bulbs is produced by Meco Radio, and we are, of course, a proud member of the Create Fine. Hi, Alex Williams was your host. The podcast artwork is by Bethany Gustafson, and the music we use is by Brian Claxton and Wesley Thomas. Oh, and thanks again for listening. Mecco.